0: This is Justin Trudeau's Space Diary. I've been 70 days in space on my way to Neptune to see my father, who is broadcasting multicultural signals to Earth that have the potential of destroying my reputation. I cannot stop doing blackface. Three times, four times, I don't remember. I'm the living embodiment of multiculturalism. Arabian nights turn into Arabian days and weeks, and I find pain in places where I don't even remember being. I miss you, Father. I wish I could send tanks into Montreal to run over all the bleeding hearts, but I can't, Father. Give me wisdom. And that's the bit, I guess. You know, Justin Trudeau, blackface, uh, he likes doing it. That's the whole fucking joke.
1: You're listening to Kino Lefter. We're a socialist podcast that talks movies. I'm Abdul at Abdul Y. Malik.
2: I'm Laura at underscore Saturn Return.
0: And I'm Evan at McDonald Tweets.
1: This week, we're starting a little different for for all you listeners. We're actually going to crack open the mailbag because we got a couple of uh, interesting thoughts on our It 2 episode um if you like this please let us know or just keep sending us mail because we love to hear from you we love it we do love it it makes us feel special
0: like the special little little people we if, are
2: if you have specific uh criticisms though and you hate us make sure you direct them to at mcdonald tweets
0: no make sure you keep them in your drafts and uh stay normal folks. basically <laughs> like if the episode
1: is a day late if there's any issues with the episode please direct them to again at, at mcdonald,
0: McDonald tweets Tweet. yeah i'd love to hear about it um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not
1: the Keno Lefter account Not at Kino Lefter One more time At McDonald Tweets If you hate
2: my laugh If you hate the way I overpronounce my T's Like Abdul does Make sure that you send those complaints To at McDonald, McDonald tweets. tweets Yeah
1: if you think I'm pedantic If I'm pretentious <laughs> um, You know once again Not at Abdul Y Malik Not at Kino Lefter at, Altogether at, at McDonald, McDonald Tweets, tweets. Yes. I'll, Yeah okay. I'll definitely
0: read it Respond to it uh, and i will absolutely be on your god awful podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so our first uh our first uh piece of mailbag comes from esther at qftwk a uh, great handle um <clears throat> Hiya. Sorry if you've already heard this from someone else who got to the episode sooner this week, but Armand White is gay. The jokes about sex life and his wife just made me want to make sure you knew. I don't know why it caught my attention the way it did. It's not like this is supposed to be a defense. It's just like, as a queer person trying to be a film critic, I'd still want my queerness to be respected, even if folks were dunking on my bad takes. It's not a big thing. I don't mean to make things fraught. Just wanted you to know. Love the show, by the way. Um
2: Thank you so much for writing. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. We
1: did not. We consider ourselves Armand White historians, but uh, we did not realize he was gay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was definitely a a fuck up on our part that we will take accountability for. Yeah, Yeah. apologies Um, to the
0: Kino audience, and apologize to Christian fundamentalist slash gay man Armand White.
1: Yeah, like he's black, gay, and a (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> which two of those things are wholesome and good actually and the last one is uh, extremely not
2: that's how you know you know true intersectionality is when you can be black gay and wrong
1: yeah um but yeah and uh, as for the stuff about wanting to be a queer film critic like honestly i fucking feel that like i was looking at reviews for the movie we're doing today and or even, like, last... What film did we do last week? Hustlers, I think. Hustlers, yeah. yeah. Even the the reviews of, like, fucking Hustlers and stuff. And it's just, like, film criticism is, like, almost homogeneously white and uh, homogeneously straight, right? It's, like, the diversity of voices exists in academia but really exists in, like, film criticism. So, like, more power to you. Please send us uh, some of your reviews as you write them. We'd honestly love to hear them and love to read them and... Who knows, maybe do a guided tour around them if, if it's for, a, like, a film we're doing that week.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome. And thank you so much for uh, sending that in. We'll be sure to uh, respect Armand White's queerness, which is not a joke. We will definitely be doing that. But we will also continue to make fun of him because he's uh, funny.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for this feedback. We're going to develop an entire new retinue of slurs uh, to use against him. <laughs> okay, uh, immediately destroying this podcast. So thank you for your feedback. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you
2: think it's like being a fundamentalist Christian, openly gay guy? Um, I feel like
1: it's a lot of um oh man, like it it what's that term? Code switching is what it mm. must be. It must be a lot of code switching. It must be a lot of like like you can't really speak to colonial trauma or like long held sort of racial trauma in a big way, but uh as a very colonized uh you know, POC, um like, I kind of get that. You know what I mean? Like, I've been... Uh, this week, I went on a deep Twitter dive into, like, Trump-supporting Muslim imams, mm. which is just, like, I... Uh, yeah, I it's, it's Uncle Tom shit or Uncle Rod shit all the way down. Like, it is uh, incredibly ugly and insane when you really look at it.
2: Well, I feel like even... Like, here in Canada, uh, like, that's where the conservative party, the progressive conservative party, uh, federally, um, built a lot of their base is through you know new immigrant communities so i think it makes sense and like even when you read like i unfortunately have to at work uh read every single press release that jason kenney puts out he actually like has quite an encyclopedic knowledge of like every single uh like every single historical event that like a a culture um is celebrating and he puts something out about it um but yeah it's again to like stoke that like that, that that socially conservative base with
1: arab communities that and and like you know middle eastern communities like it it definitely is a byproduct of the fact that a lot of socialist parties in uh the middle east have been basically destroyed by corruption you know what i mean like the the historic roots of the bath party uh in pakistan there's a huge social democratic party there's good elements like arab socialism is a really interesting topic but it's like at the same time, just incredibly corrupt and incredibly vitriolic, and like people
0: come here and have reactionary politics because that's what they left, right? Jason Kenney is the deep blue of multicultural conservatism. Absolutely nothing can stop him. And uh, conservatives actually outreach to uh, yep. newcomer communities, whereas. A lot. Uh, Uh, You know, the other ones have some issues, i.e. most of their membership is just white people. Or,
2: like, not door-knocking in areas or writing areas off or not going into apartment buildings. All those kinds of things, like, permeate all kinds of political organizing on the left. And
1: successful immigrants, like, the really successful middle class, like, tends to to see it as a bootstraps argument, right? No one wants to say that they came here and were reliant on social supports and opportunity. They want to say they did it themselves because... Culturally, like, you know, that's how pride works. That's how, like, you know, this idea of success works, right? Subsumption to, like, capitalism as a whole.
2: Thanks so much for uh, writing that in, Esther. We really appreciate uh, your thoughts and uh, look forward to reading your reviews. Uh, So the next message we have here is from Tressa, who says, Hi, Kino Lisser. (laughs) Let me try that again. (laughs) Hi, Kino Lefter. That's the name of the podcast. I'm a listener. I just saw It Chapter Two, which I saw after listening to your review. I just wanted to offer some uh, comments as a gay person um, on the gay plot line that you rightly roasted a little. It's interesting because as much as you are correct in saying that homophobia doesn't really exist in, in mainstream society in the very 80s way that it was depicted in the movie, um... Richie being afraid to come out as a fully grown single adult, the part where Pennywise uh, has an illusion of a of a rotting gay man giving him a pamphlet to his own funeral—that I think is supposed to be an HIV reference, etc. Homophobia is still being successfully weaponized as a political slash mobilizing force for the right, even in Canada.
1: Um. So I actually do have like a very quick response to this, and I think that like our criticism of it wasn't that homophobia has been erased it's that the film's idea of homophobia is still rooted in like in 80s you know gay bashing way rather than the nuanced way that homophobia is sort of done in like our media landscape and by our like politicians today
0: yeah there are uh much better films about queerness by queer creators uh that i would recommend uh holding up as kind of ideals i just yeah i don't think that it chapter two really uh hit the mark i mean, as a queer person i'll deploy that um in uh in really like you know hammering home how homophobia shifts through the decades and i mean richie's character it's barely explored it's mostly like not necessarily subtextual but you know there are allusions to it it's not really communicated between characters um so i think we were all disappointed by that
2: yeah and I also think that um to your point about it being a mobilizing force I think that's you know so true of um so much of what we're dealing with in Canada and worldwide you know if you think of the Bolsonaro regime in Brazil which is weaponizing uh, homophobia and transphobia on a large scale um but you know more subtle examples here in Canada where we have you know two prominent figures like Shear and Kenny who have long long um histories of Homophobia and um, campaigning against, um, you know, gay marriage. Bernier and too. By the yeah, way. Bernie. Yeah. Of course. Um, I just, f- I just wanted to block Bernier out of my mind. There's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a lot of them, and and they kind of want to distance themselves from that. Um, social conservatives conservatism right now but then do it in underhanded ways like here in Alberta taking out the protections in the Education Act for uh, students to access supports like uh, uh, QSAs or GSAs um, gay straight alliances that kind of thing yeah
1: and I mean if good modern examples of films like that Carol like Todd Haynes uh, frankly masterpiece Uh, Tangerine is another really good one Um, You know, yeah, there's a whole, like, landscape of of resurgent queer cinema, like, beyond, like, you know, the Gregoraki stuff and stuff like that, that's well worth looking into. And, like, it's not like it, too, couldn't have had a level of nuance to that degree. It just chose not to uh, because it went for, like, the easy idea of what gay bashing is, which I think actually diminishes our understanding of sort of gay bashing in what I would call a more complex and difficult scenario than it's ever been right a lot of people think it stopped at marriage and a lot of liberals most of the people who saw a film like it too would probably believe the same thing
2: exactly and like we also see the uh pink washing of like neoliberal capitalism um where you know treatment of like gay subjects is like used as a marker of progressivism so then you get things like oh uh canadian oil it's produced where lesbians are hot uh not in saudi arabia where you'll be killed um and that, uh, that fucking, that's amazing it's a
0: real, <laughs> that, ad. That
1: real, real ad real ad by by i don't know, oil sand strong or whatever <laughs> is absolutely spectacular like.
2: we'll we'll repost it i think we did when do not eat uh put it on twitter but we'll we'll repost it on uh on the Twitter. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's like those kinds of ideas about like, Oh, like it's, it's fine to be gay here. It's fine to be gay. Um, on a very service level. But then, you know, anytime there's kind of like legislative process, um, or progress for, for marginalized folks, folks at the margins, um, end up getting, uh, the blowback from it because they're less able to access, um, safety and, uh, protections, uh, due to, you know, increased visibility.
1: Thank you uh, so much, Tressa. We, I know we had to cut your message short. It was a lot, um, but it gave us all a lot to think about and talk about, and like we're happy we were able to like discuss it on this podcast. You know, at some point in the future, we'd love to maybe reopen, uh, you know, in brief some of the films re- we've visited and sort of revisit them as whether our like you know w- day after watching analysis was good and bad. And it's it's actually nice we got to do that with it too. Um, you know, a week or two later. Uh, But yeah, your favorite uh, gay bashing socialist leftist podcast can now roll (laughs) into its uh, main event. Um, So I have a quick question to open this with. If you could take one fast food franchise into space, what would that franchise be and why?
0: For me, it's going to be Dairy Queen um, because uh, they work so hard to make the blizzards um, not fall out of the cup when you turn it upside down, and I feel like if you're in space, you know you can go a little bit easier with it. And I would enjoy a nice, a nice Reese Blizzard, uh, you know, when I'm shopping at the Moon Mall.
2: They're already zero gravity, though. Yeah,
0: but it's like and it's more cool.
2: Gravity. <laughs> they should market like that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I think for me, I would have to go with uh, like a Chipotle. I love a burrito bowl. I, it would probably be shitty to eat in space. Yeah,
1: it'd be going everywhere. Can or you whatever. just imagine the little chunks, like, floating around in your stomach? <laughs> no, I don't want to think about that.
2: Does that happen? It doesn't...
1: Yeah, like, your, your organs are also in zero gravity. Wow, oh. I didn't
2: think about that. Yeah. Damn. Um, (laughs) much to consider when you go to space (laughs) Um, what happens okay you know when people come back from space and they're like they're all like lengthened Mm -hmm. and like what happens to them after do you know
1: Uh, they have to go through intense physical therapy for a while because like your muscles atrophy because they don't know ground they don't know gravity
0: like they just become like loose and like very mushy yeah this is very well explored in the uh, fantastic TV show The Expanse where people who live in like the asteroid belt are just like elongated Compared to everybody else, and they have very weak bones.
2: Damn. If uh, yeah, I, would- I guess you weren't if you weren't getting any like impact. That's what strengthens your bones. By so- the way, if you're under uh, 27, <laughs> you need to do uh, load bearing exercise because after 27, your bone mass starts to decrease. And uh, so make sure that you're low at doing load bearing exercise.
1: I'm of two minds about what fast food franchise I take into space. On <clears throat> one hand, I would take Red Lobster. I know it's fast casual, but whatever. <laughs> Um but like could you imagine like like picking out your lobster but it's floating in front of you? They're just gliding through the restaurant like little snappy claws at people. Like Good. just pick it out and you know your space waiter brings it to you. But I was thinking like so Edmonton has wage its, slavery still exists in space. This is the point I'm getting to yeah. is Edmonton um Jollibees is a very popular Filipino fast oh my food God. franchise. God. And the first Jollibee's in Edmonton opened up about five weeks ago, and I went there. So I drive by there. On my way back from the airport uh, a couple of days ago, I drove past the Jollibee's, and the lineup was still three hours long. Wow. The entire Filipino community of Edmonton has turned out to Jollibee's, and they will not stop turning out. They will never stop turning out. The lineup has been four to five hours since the day it opened, and I I yeah. So if I was a ruthless capitalist, I would naturally I would put a Jollibees on the moon <laughs> as added value to bring TFW labor into space.
0: Oh my god! I th- I think uh, isn't KFC like the world's most profitable fast food chain? Yeah, yeah. So if yeah, if I were in the position of planning the lunar mall, moon mall. Uh, I'd put a KFC in there.
2: (laughs) I also wanted to point out that there was like a gig economy that sprung up around Jollibees in Edmonton, where there were these folks who would stand in line with for you for a fee, so they would get you your Jollibees and then come bring it to you, and then you would have to pay them.
1: Wait, where are these people, and how do I find them?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you the article, but like maybe we shouldn't be propping up the gig economy with our Patreon. Oh no, I'll
1: I'll like pay them triple. I do that for shoe launches now
2: so it's fine
0: <laughs> we live in a oh, very yeah. bad time that's what i think we're getting at it's a very bad you don't, time you
2: don't appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit
0: i think the entrepreneurial spirit uh, must be destroyed and sent back to the past it's mercantilism or nothing
2: <laughs> i'm hustler mindset baby
0: Um, yeah, no, I, uh, uh, I,
1: there's a whole like culture of people who make their living waiting in line or setting up nine laptops so they can buy you shoes. (laughs) And uh, I got the hookup now on a guy at work's nephew who will do that for me for a small fee. Which is uh, honestly good for him. That's entrepreneurial spirit. These are the small businesses that Justin Trudeau is promising. A lot of these guys are brown. Justin Trudeau knows what it's like to be
0: brown. I've been there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I felt that. In case you haven't realized it, uh, we are doing Ad Astra.
0: Uh, Brad Pitt in space. I just need to add this in here. 10 hours of walking in NYC as a white person in brown face. We're moving on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he is in New York right now. so it's. But it's not him. It's Greta Thunberg. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Um,
2: so, yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt is indeed in space. He is a uh, astronaut whose father left to go find uh, extraterrestrial activity. And uh, his ship went missing and basically assumed dead. Um, the government... Uh, taps Brad on the shoulder to say that they need him to go out to Mars to send a message because they think that uh, there's these power surges that are killing people on Earth. Um, And
1: uh Yeah, he goes to Mars. He sends a message to his dad. He realizes he's a pawn of the military-industrial complex, breaks onto a spaceship, kills everyone on board, and then takes that spaceship all the way to Neptune where he
0: meets his dad. So Tommy Lee Jones has uh, killed his crew after they mutinied wanting to return to Earth from the Lima Project uh, orbiting Neptune, and you discover that he didn't find, he uh, found Diddly squat. he didn't find any alien life. Um, Brad Pitt tries to convince his dad to come to Earth, uh, to which he seemingly agrees. Uh, to, uh, Brad Pitt uh, places a nuclear bomb next to the uh, antimatter catalyst that has been firing antimatter at Earth. Um, they get into space. Tommy Lee Jones is like, no, son, I want to die. So he throws himself <laughs> into Neptune. Uh, Brad Pitt gets back on the ship. The explosion propels his way home. Uh, he is not investigated by a military tribunal for, <laughs>
2: and he, gets, uh, and he kisses his ex.
0: Yeah. And he, uh, kisses Liv Tyler and we get credits.
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's an original science fiction space movie, which is more than you can say about a majority of films we do. <clears throat> I would argue that majority of films we do are sequels, remakes or reboots.
2: So, I mean this I don't think you have to argue it. It just either is or isn't. Yeah, I would
1: <laughs> I would state conclusively without an iota of doubt that most of the films we do are remakes, reboots and slash or sequels I
2: think Abdul's feeling self-conscious because I said that he has to stop declaring things so he has to be like this is the the, the top book that you must read best thing ever <laughs> yeah um, the only important thing so he's yeah, bringing in some nuance I, I, <laughs>
0: I think it's great it gives us a lot of material for a Kino Lefter soundboard at some point all of our commonly used expressions uh, that people will harm us with in the future
1: Jamar <laughs> is learning to code
0: <laughs> um, I'm sure
1: if we clip them out for him and uh, you know upped his his wages
2: he would uh he would be all for it um, remember jamar we're a family here and we don't need to unionize
1: he's gonna be listening to us and send me a message be like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> yeah Never doing
0: that yeah part of the contract says that you cannot interrupt our relationship with our employees that's very important to us don't <laughs> fucking unionize that was in a contract that i was reading uh earlier for an unnamed company uh, and it's just gross you hate to see it uh, definitely not Merit
1: Contractors or Consulting. Um, no, it probably wasn't. It was uh, not. No. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, merit, for those of you who don't know, is like a lobbying group for open shop uh construction companies. Rise and grind. That's basically their <laughs> their ethos. Uh, Be ground into a pulp.
1: But instead of being grounded, we're now floating in the artificial gravity of capitalism in space. Um Which is probably a good point to jump off of this film. Is the world building... Uh, does anyone want to describe it a little bit and talk about, is it good, bad,
0: real, or fake? Floating, doing it all, Kino Lefter at the Moon Mall. Uh, <laughs> listen to Oakland Raiders by Loonies. It's a great song. Um, I think the world building was pretty great. Um, so we, I feel like you really get a sense of kind of the... Both like fake fake optimism of kind of a future with mostly private space travel, and also the grueling reality of uh, the you know the problems we have in the present just uh, perpetuate themselves into the future uh, if there isn't any like you know strong activism against it, or even with it. I mean, shit's hard. Um, so I, yeah, I think we get a really clear sense of um, kind of like capital's transformation uh, as we move into space and how it adapts to new worlds and new resources to collect.
2: Yeah, there's uh, resource battles on the moon. You come into the moon and there's a TSA agent who pats you down so that you can go to the moon subway. And uh, there's a really great part when they're doing the private um, space travel, which they tell him you're going to fly commercial so that we don't arouse suspicion. Yeah,
0: Virgin Atlantic.
2: Yeah, and uh, the... The flight attendant or the space attendant, I don't know, <laughs> um, comes around and offers blankets and then charges like 120 bucks.
1: Um, its I'm really happy they didn't call it Virgin Intergalactic. Like, they didn't do the stupid movie thing of just, like, updating it. Because it's still 20th Century Fox, right, that made this movie, despite the fact that we have moved on from that. Um, but, like, I didn't mean that to sound so aggressive. <laughs> like, this isn't a fucking call out to
0: Bob Iger. <laughs> Um,
1: Bob Iger,
0: thank you so much for buying 20th Century Fox, (laughs) man. You really did it for me. I can't wait to see (laughs) Predator fight Captain America.
1: But their, like, version of space is that they're, like, stay inside these enclave zones (laughs) because there's resource wars happening on the moon. You know, moon moon mining is a real thing that people want to do. Like, I believe it's Helium-3 is the – so – Every time, every time you blow up, yeah, the moon may or may not be real, but like (laughs) the moon is real. The moon's real.
2: The moon's real. And we
1: can't get there. Every time you blow up a balloon for your child's birthday party with helium in it, you're a fucking monster. Uh Because the world is like helium supply is depleting faster than we can replace it, and no one seems to realize that we 're like running out of fucking helium this but is what do hill- we need it for uh it 's used in so much like medical tech stuff. manufacturing medical stuff it 's industrial component more than it is a uh, make your voice high and uh make your shitty kid happy component right
0: uh okay, two jokes first of all uh Drake lyrics. This is the first time I've alive <laughs> on helium. Um, but euphoria, 2019. Yeah.
2: Also, don't call kids shitty. They're fine. It's no,
1: not no, no, their no, 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 no. Like you're not. Not all kids are shitty. But I'm saying your your brat's birthday party. Oh my
0: <laughs> your broods. But I just imagined uh, this great new Abdul character where he's at like a birthday party in a backyard or something, and then one of the balloons pops. And says, Oh, real nice, buddy. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know there's a helium crisis right now.
2: Put it. Yeah.
0: You know, Listen, when the is, helium this wars. They, yeah. This
2: is what they mean when they say like, "Oh, you must be fun at parties." It's Abdul yelling at children. They deserve
1: for, it. They need to learn.
2: We're having balloons.
1: Uh, in my supply closet here, I have a stockpile of, of fine helium. And when the helium wars are coming, and you're knocking at my door, I'm gonna, am gonna inhale a bit and be like, "Fuck off." <laughs> Um, I'm keeping it over myself. <laughs> but yeah, like it's not it's not unexpected that there would be corporate resource wars on the moon over Helium 3 because God knows we're running out of helium now.
0: Um Yeah, um I think in the movie they talk about how there's a network of treaties uh that dictate who can mine where. Um but in this video that the New York Times put out, James and I mean in the movie, they're just like, How do you enforce these treaties? Who knows? So there's space pirates who kind of operate on the fringes, uh, the dark side of the moon. Uh, people theoretically uh, don't go there, but there's, like, military installations. Um,
2: there's Nazis there. We learned that when we watched uh, the Gaia,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Gaia channel. They're doing Iron Sky stuff there. They're doing Overlord stuff there. Uh, the Nazis are still around, and they are on the dark side of the moon. Uh, and then on Mars, it uh, mostly seems like the, the outermost reaches of... Uh, human colonization there's an underground base um ruth nega has this great supporting role where she's in charge of uh this martian base um but yeah it's mostly just like probably research and you know probably awful military experimentation that happens there Uh, but like the safe zones
1: on the moon are just like brad pitt's voiceover in this film is very grating but it does have a great bit where it's like people are just going to the moon to do the same shit they did on earth right and it's yeah, there's an Applebee's on the moon. There's um, a Hudson's newsstand on the moon, like a Subway and stuff like that. It's like
2: it just looks like an airport. Yeah, its depiction of
1: space travel is actually like fairly realistic. I'm sure being on the moon is cool, but it must get boring after a while.
0: Uh, there are two things that I really like about, uh, like, I mean, the voiceover in that one sequence where he's talking about how his father would have hated. Um, like seeing this like commercialization on the moon I think it initially sets up this dichotomy between like there are the brave explorers who want to just like learn more about you know the worlds beyond and then there are the greedy capitalists but then of course through the course of the movie we realize that his father has gone insane and has murdered his crew and he's just a workaholic obsessed with a quest that will never end so it's like oh the exploration part obviously is fucked up and obviously leads to death and is just like the the pre uh the pretext of you know capitalist expansion um and then uh, Brad Pitt also talks about it's like we we were running from things on earth and we brought them to the stars so <laughs> it's uh i was talking to Lynn about this i love you Lynn and uh uh they were just mentioning how like of course like when we go to space it's probably not going to be a utopia first because it's just like a space for commercialization um obviously the wealthiest will get there first and set the terms of what space is going to look like um and uh yeah if we don't if socialism now doesn't happen on earth we will bring capitalism to the stars and uh that is definitely uh i think a risk that this movie subtextually deals with
1: and one of the things i think it's important to recognize in the context of exploration is that no one because we live in capitalism before that was mercantilism and monarchy right like um i know evan's a big mercantilist stan
0: oh i love i don't <coughs> actually this is a bit
1: <laughs>
2: hudson's but bay it, company
0: yeah <laughs> 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 Woo, we yeah. out here getting one fourth of north america we love it we're always winning
2: <laughs> just wearing those like smallpox blankets like a hypey evan's so.
1: actually bought shares in hudson's bay uh at the hbc despite the fact that they're falling apart <laughs> i gotta keep the dream alive but like um yeah like explorers as much as we like to romanticize this idea of exploration for the sake of exploration i sure that many have had those um those like aspirational goals there's like a tacit understanding that when you are an explorer funding expedition to the tunes of millions or billions of dollars right you're doing it to find profit for someone else right like you can come up with all the scientific studies you want when you come back the first thing they're going to ask you is like well what did you find that we can exploit like the moon is a a really good example of this in the movie
0: yeah and i certainly don't want to like you know, degrade the work that, like, scientists do, you know, trying to push the boundaries of what we know. Obviously, there's a lot of noble work that gets done in there. Um, but, of course, not not only are there bad apples who know exactly what they're doing and need to, you know, fund their lives, so selling your research and everything else, but obviously the state and corporations need this research, need this exploration into space in order to, you know, not just, like, asteroid mining and the shit that's going to happen there, um but you know how how are consumers going to live their lives in space um so very nasty and it's you-
2: like the neo the like neoliberalizing of the academy and the corporatization of research in general. Like you will see that at like any school where their business school is real nice and glass and their their arts faculty is falling apart. And like here uh, here in Edmonton, you know, every third building is furnished by oil and gas.
1: Did you see that Benny Johnson tweet that went viral today where he went to Cuba or not today, this week, where he went to Cuba and was like, this is Cuba. It's like a fully stocked grocery store and he's just like one brand of everything, right? And it's like, it's wild to me that this, because this is actually ties into a movie so well where it's like <clears throat> the neoliberal conception of freedom is 30 to 50 different kinds of pasta sauce or like toilet paper. Cuba developed a fucking vaccine for lung cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, under under like a, uh, Cuba's got its issues, but under like a socialist program for the common good, right? Like they have, you know, uh, one of the highest literacy rates in the world, and it's just like, oh, like dogmatically, this is, you know, sort of the, the whole structure of Cuban society. But you know, uh, someone like Benny Johnson goes and looks at that and is like. Oh, man, one brand of TP, that's that's not freedom, baby, you know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, and obviously it totally negates, like, the impacts of, like, you know, embargoes and, uh, you know, kind of international isolation of Cuba. But he also had a very funny tweet, I think it was a couple of years ago, of an empty store shelf somewhere in the United States. And he was like, this is your supermarket under socialism. And then uh, someone was just like, no, this is under capitalism. This is shutting down. And I was just thinking of, like, all of the empty malls that we have. yeah. And- all the totally empty storefronts, especially going back home to Nova Scotia. Just like, just a uh, uh, there's this incredible YouTube channel that I need to recommend now. I think it's called Retail Archaeology, where this guy goes to like abandoned malls and just like, oh my God, it's it's a documentary of the horrors of capitalism. So, Benny Johnson, watch Retail Archaeology and get <laughs> back to us. In Calgary, the. Uh- multi million dollar mall opened
1: up and there's still no stores in it, like right by the airport. Like or maybe by cross I don't know. But it's like in Calgary, there's a big, big fuck off sized mall and there's like literally like four or five shops. Like so many people have walked through it just being like empty glass structures everywhere. And it's just like this was definitely someone's fucking tax haven or like bad investment or whatever. But it's like this is capitalism and this is what we will take to the moon, right? When in the world of this movie, when Mars becomes more feasible, uh, the moon will just become like a relic. It'll become a like a stopover, like like Gander Newfoundland or something like that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant mixture of... And it, it's, it's a brilliant highlight of the relationship between the military and the private sector. Um, very symbolic that the dark side of the moon is where the military is operating. Uh, I'm, they're also present... You know, in this consumer space, like in the airport, just like a, you know, a guy in green camo with a sec- dog. And it's like, we can see you.
2: The security culture kind of thing. Yeah, the,
0: the camo is not working in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> um, And, you know, there's a lot of interplay kind of between, um, yeah, the military's relationship with, like, space command and kind of the whole infrastructure of theoretically, like, the government. Um, So some of the opening shots of the movie are people in Lockheed Martin uniforms greeting Brad Pitt as he's going on to this uh, space antenna used to search for extraterrestrial life. Um, I think Lockheed Martin does have a deal with uh, 20th Century Fox. Uh, There was a video of... Like uh, James Gray goes to talk to Lockheed staff about like their research into space. And I think it's a really nice use of this because it doesn't come across as like, yeah, these guys are cool. It's like very clearly a critique of Mm -hmm. the privatization of space. So, you know, good job making that deal, Lockheed Martin. Proud of you. Um, Yeah. And obviously, once we get to the moon, it's kind of more just like the military side of things. It's like we're ready to load a nuclear fucking bomb and send it to Neptune.
1: Um And, yeah, like, when you look at NASA's funding, like, I remember Obama got a lot of accolades in his, like, last two years because um, he added, like, a, you know, $5 billion or some, like, infinitesimal sum to NASA's budget. But, like, compare that to, like, the U.S. Uh, military, right, which is, like, e- easily runs in, like, the 500. Trillions. Yeah, 500 billion to <laughs> trillions of dollars. And you're just, like... You know what? It would actually be amazing if we were just funding space exploration for the sake of space exploration, but without um, a Soviet superpower to sort of best in a battle of scientific wits or something like that. It's just like, well, why would we? Why would we go to the one place where there's no other species to fucking rape, pillage, and conquer, right? right. Um,
0: it, yeah, it drives me up the fucking wall. Space is very cool uh, and we should be in space more. That's mm-hmm. my hot take. But we're going to have to uh, figure our shit out on Earth before we can have uh, cool space hotels uh, on the moon where, uh, you know, labor uh, isn't super exploited. Uh, I want to go on a lunar vacation with my socialist family uh, <laughs> because we all get like three paid vacations a year.
2: Well, I mean, they're... If we do get any kind of space exploration within our lifetimes, I think it will definitely be, like, weapons that will be, like, floating over North Korea or whatever um, that will strike them down, you know, before they even think about building another nuke.
1: Yeah, they'll call the space laser the, uh, like, you know, United uh, Space uh, Space Command Ronald Reagan laser or something like that in (laughs) honor of his, like... Star Wars program. <laughs> you know George Lucas named uh, the technocratic villain of the prequel series um Gunray <laughs> because he hated Reagan so much. Like, because the guy called it Star Wars, George Lucas is like, no, why?
0: <laughs> yeah. This
2: is the opposite of what I meant. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. While the political critique of the Star Wars prequels are uh, extremely on the nose, still good uh, to this day. Uh, yeah, the original being a uh, anti. Vietnam movie, and the prequels obviously just being uh, a hate letter to the Bush administration. Uh, Thank you, George Lucas. Um, Yeah, the security culture part of this movie is really interesting.
1: The film does have a form of... like psychological profiling like you could call it space phrenology but
2: yeah exactly like before you go on to any mission you kind of have to like check in with a computer so you put a little note on your neck and it measures your heart rate brad pitt's heart rate by the way very impressive in this i monitor my own resting heart rate which has been steadily climbing as i've not been exercising but you know that's that's the story for another pod but uh yeah and they um they ask you questions like how's your day how are you feeling and he just kind of mumbles like feeling clear feeling good and they're like good to go (laughs) and i think the only time that he um he fails a psych eval is when he his dad replies to his you know secured laser message
0: yes i'm i'm a sucker for any kind of sci-fi world building and one of the generals on earth is like we're going to send you to Mars commercially to send a secure laser transmission to the Lima project. I'm like, these are a lot of proper nouns. This is fantastic. (laughs) Give me more.
2: Yeah. The proper noun love (laughs) is real for our boy at McDonald tweets. Um, But yeah, I think like the only time that he doesn't pass is when he's showing, you know, genuine emotion. This like tamping down of um, any kind of uh, real feeling is like essential to the military industrial complex project
1: especially like one of the things they really harp on is the fact that like Mars and the moon are quite removed from earth right particularly Mars when they uh when they land on the Mars base like there's you know uh, 11,000 people there it's all underground it looks literally looks like a vision of hell um, You know, and the Mars, like, base commander, Ruth Naga, is like, yeah, I've been here my entire life, right? Like, I was born on this base. I'm probably going to die on this base and stuff like that. And
2: I've been to Earth once. Yeah, she's Great like, uh,
1: that was actually beautiful. Like, yeah. the Mars stuff is some of the most interesting stuff in the movie because it just speaks to, like, you know, you hear stories of people uh, in the Arctic, like, in military bases during the Cold War doing, like, nuclear monitoring and stuff like that. And it totally gives you that vibe but just on this like ugly scale and it's like yeah the military forgets about these people completely right
2: and i also think that it was interesting um like speaking of that that idea of distance how um what was tommy lee jones's character's name
0: clifford mcbride
2: clifford mcbride daddy um so the absent father he was saying you know my crew has gone mad from being so far away from home so i had to uh use extreme prejudice to put down a mutiny, which he just, like, stuck them all in an airlock, I guess. Um, And this idea of, like, distance and, like, closeness to a concept of home where he, like, finds his home within his work rather than within, like, any kind of human connection.
0: Yeah, it's very good, uh, you know, maybe a bit obvious Hero's Journey stuff. Uh, He is leaving home to go to the origin point of his trauma which is having literal ripple effects <laughs> uh, you know destroying the things that he loves and the people around him and he needs to confront his father in order to end it and integrate that pain into the person he is today um speaking about the kind of mental health uh cr- the commercialization of it in this movie is really intriguing um Uh, Much like the evolution of our healthcare system in Canada, uh, its first responsibility was to ensure that workers are being efficient. Um, So, uh, you know, there was first this aspect of, like, healthcare is delivered through charity um, or the family. And then the first kind of evolutions of it were, like, workplaces and employers uh, were able to cover, like, injuries and that kind of thing. So it's always presented... Um, before a mission Or after some kind of traumatic event um, We have not talked about this scene yet But uh, the ship that Brad Pitt Is on to Mars receives a distress call From a Norwegian uh, ship uh, that was doing some biological experimentation and they find, uh, I believe it's a baboon. a baboon. It is a baboon, yeah. yes. It's a baboon who can survive in space, who has massacred the crew of this ship and is, uh, has already killed the captain of the ship that he was in um, and then Brad Pitt shoots it. And I think there's a second baboon <laughs>
2: <laughs> that shows up. I, so fucking dumb. Uh, I hated it's a, that it's a
0: divided table on the baboon scene. Yeah, we have uh, one hated, one ambivalent,
1: one loved. Um but I mean like that that scene, I think is so interesting in the context of of the whole movie, because I think like uh you know, watched this with megan megan brought up this this idea that like the baboon is a functionally like a metaphor for man's relationship to space right yeah. like but I mean like it feeds really well into this idea of like if they weren't all military people trying to serve some sort of exploitative purpose, right, like even the Lima project is a space command project or whatever, right um would we even be driven mad like is the idea of science for the sake of science which Tommy Lee Jones embodies or whatever um would that actually drive someone crazy or is it the fact that you know that you're just you know a pawn who's playing a game for you know people literally billions of light years away or years away um uh specifically going out there to find more resources to exploit right like when you go out into space and you're like I'm so far away from the people paying my paycheck, but they still own me. That's enough to drive someone fucking crazy. Like, could you imagine if you went into space and you knew that your boss was like still like haranguing you <laughs> despite the fact that it takes twenty one days for a transmission to reach you? It's just I, like, um, hey Laura, have you uh filled the coffee <laughs> machine? I mean,
2: like, can uh it takes twenty one days to respond to like, can I just uh talk to you for five minutes real quick? And you're like, oh fuck. <laughs>
0: You bring up a point in a meeting, you wait uh, 21 days, and then, actually, let's take this conversation offline. And you're like, we can't. I'm in space. (laughs) Uh, I I think there are a lot of commonalities uh, between that and, like, remote camp work, almost. Like, the mental toll um, that it can take, obviously, is watching videos of Liv Tyler saying, I feel so distant from you, even when you're home. So... (laughs) Uh, toxic masculinity abounds uh, Speaking of toxic masculinity Our good friend Dylan Reese Howard's documentary uh, On mental health in the oil sands Digging in the dirt is available now On CBC Gem I don't know if we've uh, talked about it It will too much. be unlocked
1: uh, by the time
0: this episode
1: comes the, out The
2: premium that yeah. we recorded with him Or you guys recorded with him
0: Yeah it was a very great interview um, And I think it has a lot of commonalities With the movie we're watching today So I'd say check it out
2: Yeah that, that idea I think of like Science for the sake of science. I, I don't know. You see it in people who are willing to sign up for the, you're you're going to Mars and you're not coming back. Or even, you know, historically when people go to like Antarctica or something and they would just be like, I'm just going to sail my ship there and die. You
0: know? Shackleton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shackleton. I, I think it's ultimately a reflection uh, of like, and I mean, this is the movie's thesis, but like human beings are social animals uh, and we are ultimately reflections of the communities we're in both like politically and you know kind of like in an interconnected sense so um i mean clifford is obviously like there's this uh conflict within brad pitt he doesn't want to become his father but obviously he's reflecting him like he kills the crew of the ship he's on his father did the same thing but intentionally obviously it's a very strange accident that (laughs) leads to the entire crew of that ship being killed um in brad pitt's case um, but yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, wipes out the crew of, uh, the Lima project because they wanted to go home. Um, so obviously this like rejection of, uh, community I think is ultimately a reflection of the capitalist system. Um, because he's just like, I do not need any of this. Like complaints about work are not acceptable. Um, we are only here for the task, right? Like there's no part of your well being that needs to be attended to, which I think like modern corporations have like figured this out already. They're like, Oh, you know, there's a pinball machine at work, and there's pizza parties. <laughs> um, but uh, I that feel like that means your boss loves you. Yeah, that means your boss loves you. But I feel like this kind of gets like the bare bones of, of that system. Totally.
2: He, uh, like Tommy Lee Jones's character, kind of operates like a human Hal from 2001. You know, he's so singularly focused on the mission that these like human <clears throat> desires for going home or being with family or or giving up the task is just becomes completely unacceptable.
1: Um. I'm going to disagree with your point on that, like, people who sign up to go to Mars and public missions are doing it for the sake of science. I honestly think they're doing it for the clout. <laughs> I don't think they realize, like, just the absurdity. Abdul's on the next one. <laughs> yeah. Just the absurdity. Yeah, 100%. That
0: would be fucking awesome. Um, oh my god. Just... Yo, Martian fit check. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah.
0: I'm you know,
1: just... brad i yeah brad pitt sneakers in this movie uh shoe game actually
0: his entire fit was on point the whole (laughs) way through incredible looks ruth nega on the martian base a fantastic kind of whole real Uh,
2: real hot take uh, coming in here brad pitt pretty hot
0: yeah Yeah. he's 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 actually becoming hotter as he's aging absolutely which is like
1: yeah but i just quick question could you imagine um being like getting on a space shuttle and turning right and it's elon musk sitting next to you and he's just like we're going to be in cramped quarters for seven weeks and then we're going to be on mars for the rest of our lives together (laughs) Uh, could you like i would kill
0: myself right there i think there's a kim stanley robinson book that deals with the first murder in space i'm not saying the two ideas are connected but
2: (laughs) women commit 100 percent of space crimes
0: um that's true (laughs) yeah uh So the
2: the other thing in this movie that
0: I think
1: is definitely worth touching on is this film's, like, concept of masculinity and, like, workaholism is so interesting. Like, I know we talked about the camps and stuff like that, but there's something very – Laura just sneezed. You don't have to. <laughs> Laura just needs on again. It. No, we're going to. We're <laughs> going to cut. No, you.
0: You came in pretty loud, so I'm just going to restart at that point. Yeah, <laughs> the work must continue. It cannot <laughs> stop. I never cared about your sneeze. I only cared about delivering this podcast.
2: <laughs> that was the saddest scene, I'd say. Speaking of masculinity God. in this film, you know, he goes to have this cathartic moment with his father, and he's, you know. His dad is like, I never cared about you and your small little child brain and your dumb games or your mom. Ugh! And he's, you know, space tear floating off his eyeball. It's very sad. Yeah, that
1: scene hits. I mean, it's it's interesting that to get over his toxic masculinity, Brad Pitt had to have a body count of like nine people, and the film <laughs> thinks there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's just like he kills three very innocent people. Uh, murders two space pirates and is like party to his dad's like being absolved of murdering a crew of like
0: 17. Uh, Ad Astro 2 is just a courtroom drama <laughs> <laughs> intercut with a very long and obnoxious voiceovers um, but I, I think that uh, this movie especially in its climb backs, uh is uh, really really brilliant uh, about its like deconstruction of both uh, being a workaholic, um, so someone who has uh, no other time in their life besides for their work or feels a lot of shame about uh, not working, uh, which I think was probably passed down to Brad Pitt from his father. Um, So we have in the character of Clifford McBride, someone who has done truly terrible things to the people he supervises in order to, complete this task and there, there's this brilliant quote in the movie um when brad pitt is trying to convince his father to come back to earth and he says like i have infinite work here right like the work will never end it will always exist right like not just specifically this project of like you know discovering alien worlds and alien life but work itself will never leave us and we need to like be able to have you know both seizing the means of production but also just like Harmony in our lives like I love that uh, uh, image from a protest where it's like uh, eight hours for work eight hours for sleep eight hours for whatever we want like obviously we can have a four hour work day and I think the same amount of work would be done but um, uh yeah.
2: I feel like um just speaking of that like the work will never be done. I was actually quite struck by how much religious sim- symbolism was in this movie. Like there's prayers to St Christopher who is this patron saint of travelers real Catholic heads know. Um and and praying over the dead body of of the the baboon mangled man. Um and uh it's it's interesting when you were saying um when you were bringing up the the work the work will never end. That's almost like a very Protestant kind of relationship to it. The the like Protestant um idea of like work as your ultimate like is the is the path to your ultimate reward. So there's yeah, it's Catholicism in space is what's actually gonna gonna help out
1: there's also this implication here that the work is really what drove Tommy Lee Jones fucking crazy right because he was sent into space with one mission to find extraterrestrial life and it's like at the end you find out he got the clearest photos ever of like millions if not billions of planets right like he got probably in even you know the scope of the movie, the largest tre- treasure trove of scientific data about space. But to him, it's meaningless because that's not good enough. He had a mission to accomplish, and because he didn't accomplish it, he's not good enough, right? He's like driven insane by this like inferiority complex. But that's like that's literally living under capitalism, right? That's working for any boss is like you could do the best job in the world over and over and over again, and then like at a certain point, even the best job won't be good enough, right? Because they're used to it and they want more, and it's like, what more can I give you? I'm Perfect at
0: this job, right? And I think it's uh another important aspect to uh investigate is like he is mythologized on Earth uh for his work. So Space Command knows that he has killed the crew of the Lima Project. Uh and when they're on Mars, Helen, Ruth Nega's character, um tells him that uh Tommy Lee Jones murdered her parents. Like they were on board the Lima Project. Um so like holding up these exemplars. Of brilliant explorers who push things forward uh and you know did it for you know the sake of adventure and all of these things like it's it's a nice kind of yeah deconstruction of that um while also framing it uh within like labor terms um like tommy lee jones also believes in god uh that's like you were talking about the religious aspect and one of the first videos that brad pitt watches of him he's talking about like you know, oh, God's going to be watching over us doing this work. And then, um, you know, he uh, turns into a really special guy by the end of the movie. In the words
1: of uh, one wise sage, uh, Mr. West, um, uh, Dad cracked a joke, all the kids laugh, but I couldn't hear them all the way in first class. Uh, 808s and Heartbreak, perfect album about uh, what it's like to be mythologized um, and lonely at the top. Um This film also talks a lot about ETs, but I think that it's really fucking weird that the film has no idea or does not present an idea of what would happen if we were to find ETs, which is like, yeah, like, why are they exploring? Because it's obviously a military project. Like, to what degree are they
0: looking for ETs and why, right? So... Clifford McBride is on the hunt for alien cheeks. Uh he needs to <laughs> clap them as hard as possible. Um Brad Pitt, I never cared about you or your mother. I wanted to find the Na'vi from Avatar. I wanted to fall in love with them and I wanted to I wanted to hit that blue bussy. <laughs> but, but um I yeah, it is interesting in that um so we learn at the end of the movie uh didn't find any E.T.s. Um And I think that kind of the notion of alien life is mostly depicted um, in this movie as, like, Brad Pitt is alienated (laughs) from the people Mm -hmm. around him. um, But this constant search for something you'll never find um, or you won't know what you do when you do find it uh, is taking you away from, like the important things in life like feelings and love
2: it's about the journey not the destination kind of vibes
0: yeah i'd have an explore tattoo on the inside of my wrist
2: (laughs) breathe on one wrist explore on the other
0: yeah but i also do think uh there is a little bit of um uh maybe false consciousness going on here uh with the search for alien life it's this like complete dedication to like you have a task in front of you carry it out right um, and it's this endless quest, uh, not just to pursue profit and exploit resources, but to you know, discover the unknown, manifest destiny kind of shit. Um, and it takes you away from the conditions you're working in, both like how it's deteriorating for your mental health, how it's deteriorating your relationships. Um, and it uh, doesn't allow us to focus on, yeah, remediating conditions at home.
1: And it's also just like <clears throat> when you come to the conclusion that the reasons you think you're doing it are not the reasons you think your boss is doing it, right? Like um, you see this a lot with people who work in the labor movement, right? It's like, oh, I'm here to help and support and save workers. And it's like, no, you're actually here to prop up uh, a series of elected officials, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and you're here to make sure that the organization remains functional to like establishment power. And It's just like... You know, there is a crossover between, um, and people forget this, is like one of the reasons it's so hard to cut the military budget in America is because every time someone threatens budget cuts the first thing that military lobbyists come back and say is well do you like our r&d department because that's what's going to go first right and like out of nasa and uh the military industrial complex and the military's like expanded budget you have stuff like gps you have stuff like radar you have stuff like uh, mass advances in refrigeration and food preparation right and storage um all those things are our military tech even fucking the internet right um and it's like You know, uh, there are lots of people who probably hate the military who go into that because it's the only place they have an avenue by which to do research, to do the cool things, right? Like DARPA. DARPA is such an interesting, like, historical project in general because it's, like, nerds who are just given money by the (laughs) military. What is it? It was, like, the organization that, like, set up the internet and a whole bunch of other telecommunications infrastructure and stuff like that. And it's, like, yeah, it was just nerds who got to play with whatever the fuck they wanted in exchange for... Um, you know military getting first come use and eventually that trickles down into um, like sort of consumer use and stuff mm-hmm. like that right and it's like in in the case of this movie i think this movie illustrates that like almost perfectly where it's like again it's it's alienation from your job it's a realization that you're not here for the right reasons <laughs> that the reason your crew is here is not the reason why you're here right and like having to like live with that
2: Yeah, but I also think that like the military threatening to cut their R&D is like and and that being a major blow, which it would be. um, It's kind of like showing this kind of limited uh, political imagination of like, okay, well, then like redirect that funding that you're cutting from them to the university where it should be. Right. And not make universities uh, beg for money from corporations and from these foundations that have um, their hands in uh, like. A, a, a very b- a biased agenda
1: yeah absolutely and like we should 100 percent cut military funding i don't think that's even a, a question of right course. but it's like it it's just so demonstrative of the way that like yeah our own political system is fucked right and that we need to rely on the military to make these like leaps and bounds uh and the military actually filled a gap um that NASA once developed, right? Like Richard Kelly, the director of Donnie Darko, whose parents both worked at NASA during the height of the space race has a great anecdote. I forget where I heard it. It might've been on another podcast where he talks about, when he, one day he he came home as a child, right, and his dad gave him a pair of things to try on. They were the very first prototype of night vision goggles that they had developed at NASA. And it's like, that's fucking amazing. You know what I mean? That's so cool. And then, like, NASA's funding got cut. Military research budgets got bigger. Blooded, Lockheed Martin yeah. and Boeing and all these other companies got massive uh, contracts. And now we're reliant on them to produce... The things that, you know, will enrich our lives or whatever, that's so fucked up. Also, we don't need to be accelerating as fast as we are. Again, back to Cuba. Vaccine for lung cancer, right? <laughs> like,
0: uh, Also, the Roswell accident did happen. Uh, ETs did land on Earth, and the government did cover it up. Um, So I think uh, this movie should have touched on that a little bit. We have been visited by extraterrestrials. And if you want to find out more, uh, Laura can share her Gaia subscription password with you. I'm sure you still have it.
2: Yeah, man. I haven't canceled it yet. So uh, get at me in the mentions and I'll definitely uh, hook you up. A charge
0: for $100 on your account (laughs) at the end of the month.
2: (laughs) Maybe that could be a Patreon tier. Watch Gaia with me.
0: (laughs) Gaia, Gaia watch parties on Twitch
1: and stuff like that. That. Um, be funny. that would actually be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, no, we said we would never do riff tracks. <laughs> um, yeah, so just sort of to wrap it up, what did we all think of uh, "Add Astra or To The Stars?
2: Um, I thought that it was, it was very uneven, I felt. Like, there was some scenes where I was really enjoying it and really in it, and the visuals were gorgeous and stunning, and uh, um, I thought that Tommy Lee Jones was amazing. Overall, as... An actor, I find uh, Brad Pitt rather bland. I think he's normally. I I, I just like him better in like comic stuff. Um, but the scene where you know, as the as one of the the members of the Daddy Issues Caucus on this uh, on this podcast. I mean, everybody has them, but you know.
1: <laughs> I actually have none. I have entirely mommy issues. Yeah. Um,
2: I've got both, um, so yeah, it, it really you know struck a chord um, with me and this idea of like going to to find um, the source of your trauma, like Evan said. It, it was yeah, there was there was parts about it that I really liked and parts where I thought it was very weak, uh, and the voiceover was extremely grating. So overall, though, I'd I'd say it was it was decent.
1: <clears throat> yeah, my my thoughts on the movie are that the voiceover was definitely a studio. Edition, like they for like James Gray made a very successful movie with Brad Pitt. I'm assuming someone gave him like a, a big budget to make a space blockbuster. He turned in art film, and they're like, Oh, fuck, we gotta add voiceover to this because we just gave you a, a you know, a fucking two trucks of money to make your your weird daddy issues movie in space, right? <laughs> and it's like, and then they add because even the voiceover, I feel like Brad Pitt's not giving it anything because his voiceover in The Tree of Life is gorgeous it's well acted you can feel the emotion in it and it's like in this one i just feel like he was like fuck yeah i guess i'll do it because i have to but i if you're gonna watch this uh watch it once but i mean i would wait uh, to see if there's a director's cut incoming uh on the blu-ray or something like that
0: because i feel like if there is it would just be a fucking significantly better movie uh so i loved at astra huge fan of it um it there are definitely parts of it that seem compromised um a little bit of studio interference but like i think that there is like a really great vision at work here um i think it was very well directed Hoyt van Hoytema um shot it he's the guy who uh did the cinematography for interstellar and specter so it's a very good looking movie um but yeah james gray uh give us that director's cut i would watch that in an instant much like the midsummer director's cut which fucking rocks that slaps um, so yeah, I really love this movie. One of my favorites of the year so far.
1: Um, quick question. Has everyone here seen, uh, Contact, Interstellar, Gravity, and Gravity? Yeah. I haven't seen Contact. Okay. Well, where would you rank this film in between, like, Ad Astra, Contact, Interstellar, and Gravity? Like, best to worst, how would you rank them?
2: Uh, I didn't like Gravity that much. I thought it was Okay. I don't know, I it just didn't really resonate with me that much. Did
1: you see it in theaters?
2: I did. I saw it in IMAX the way you were supposed to, all that shit. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I would probably put it contact, uh, interstellar ad astra gravity.
0: Hmm. Uh so I it's been hard for me to revisit gravity. I did really love it when I saw it uh in theaters, uh and in subsequent watchings, it's like, uh, eh, okay. Like I it still really appreciate what it's doing. Uh, I might put Interstellar first uh, and then Ad Astra and then Gravity. Uh, I haven't seen Contact, so I can't rank it.
1: Uh, I was high as fuck when I saw Gravity and I threw up on myself in the movie theater because <laughs> I was like in a K hole. I just didn't uh, move. Like, I felt like Sandra Bullock. It was like a very visceral experience for me. <laughs> I saw it again in theaters yeah. uh, sober and loved it. I would probably do. Um, Uh, Contact, uh, Ad Astra, Gravity, Interstellar in that order. Yeah. But, I mean, they're very similar movies and I think well worth watching as a block.
2: Yeah, and I do really enjoy um, space movies because uh, I was saying this off pod, but I think, you know, when we were talking about something like um, uh, Euphoria, where, like, a high school genre serves as a container for, like, big emotions, like space and, like, sci-fi is, like, a container for existential questions so i do really enjoy these uh uh types of movies but yeah it wasn't um it wasn't my absolute fave. Did give me a panic attack though, which is always a sign of a well well done like tight confined space
1: movie. It's nice that something uh, like this got made. Totally. I don't think it's made a lot of money, so I mean, <laughs> grasp these straws while you can, dear listener, <laughs> before uh, Disney owns everything. But um, with that,
2: before they're like, you know what? Actually, we're not going to finish Star Wars, and we're going to do a hundred more Star Wars movies. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, But with that, let's roll into our recomradations for the week.
0: Uh, Evan, why don't you kick us off? So uh, I was a fool. I used to live an unenlightened life. Uh, I was an absolute charlatan. Um, But then this weekend I watched a very special movie and that was Moneyball. I never watched Moneyball before. And uh, I am now obsessed with that movie. Uh, it is uh, in the canon of Aaron Sorkin movies I really like. Uh, so Social Network, Steve Jobs, and this, um, as opposed to stuff like The West Wing. Um, but yeah, Brad Pitt, an incredible performance. Uh, I think he's made to look less attractive, but this might be his hottest role. Um it's a sports movie that mostly takes place in, like, fluorescently lit basements with a bunch of guys just like, you can't use science to play baseball. This guy's a five-tool player. I don't really like baseball that much, and Moneyball, I'm just like, wow, it's one of my favorite movies now.
1: Um, something really interesting about Moneyball. Moneyball, was written by Aaron Sorkin and Steve Zaillian, but they did not write the movie together. Mm. They each did different drafts of the scripts. Um, but they're both writers with, like, a very unique voice. Um, so it's I love that movie because you can easily tell which scene was written by Steve Zalen and which scene was written by Aaron Sorkin. Like watching it, you're like, "Oh, snappy dialogue scene." That's Aaron. That's uh, Aaron Sorkin. That's like you know Philip Seymour Hoffman being sad in a basement. <laughs> you're like, definitely Steve Zalen, right? Like all the kid stuff. 100 percent not Aaron Sorkin, but it's just like such an interesting a uh, script is like a, a film writer you know what I mean mm. um my recomradation, i have two but one is very quick um one my first one is uh the sneakers uh Brad Pitt Warren ad Astra which are fly as fuck um if you can find a pair of or if you own a pair of Adidas uh, CS1s total white uh orange gum please uh, shoot me a message i will buy them off you Uh, they're very nice sneakers if you want to buy a pair for yourself uh seek them out they are incredible um but my real recomradation is a book which i finally finished reading i might have recomrad it before but whatever they it yeah um it's uh the overstory by richard powers which i will uh like declaratively say is the only great novel written thus far about the climate crisis uh fuck i can't like it's a book i've i've read and can't stop thinking about i can't wait to like read it again once my backlog is smaller um it's a book about trees and if within the first 15 pages you're not crying about trees you have a problem because it's yeah it's just amazing it's uh you know a fiction novel and we should all read fiction uh as well as reading theory and stuff like that but Yeah. The Overstory by Richard Powers. It's a book everyone should read. It will give you a better, like, sort of understanding of the climate crisis and humanity's relationship with it and also leave you with a lot of hope. So uh, please pick it up at your local uh, nearest bookstore, barring that,
2: uh, you know, Apple Books or Amazon, I guess. Uh, I haven't really been consuming that much in the last little while. Uh, Shit's been kind of crazy in the Albertan context politically, so I've been doing a lot of work. Um, But... uh I just went to a friend of the show, Bailey's House, uh, to pick cranberries, and uh, we just ended up, because we organized together, we just ended up not talking about organizing, not talking about the climate crisis, not talking about anything like that, just picking berries, and then it turned into drinking uh, wine in the grass, and uh, it was really great, so I would say... Scheduling time with people outside of your commitments, like connecting just like in a fun way uh, is really important. And I highly recomradate it. <laughs>
1: You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, basically whatever podcatcher you like. Um, If we are not on that podcatcher, you can follow us and then message us at KinoLefter on Twitter.
2: Don't even think about messaging us without following us first.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and we will make sure we we put ourselves on that uh, podcatcher of your choice. And if you're unhappy with our selection of podcatchers, please make your displeasure known to at McDonaldTweets on Twitter. Again, that's at McDonaldTweets on at Twitter. At McDonaldTweets on Twitter. Please direct all your hate mail to him from here, uh, from ha- henceforth.
0: I will call the police on you. I'm a carceral feminist. If you DM me at all, I will ruin your life.
2: It's <laughs> a vampire castle, but for the DMs. <laughs> I was thinking about how today I was taking a uh, Uber. I know I'm a bad leftist, but I was. Ah! <laughs> I, hate you. I know, um, but I was really late for work. So I just hopped in an Uber. I'm sorry. I will self-crit uh, immediately. But the guy like reached back and like moved my legs to be like, I'm going to put a water bottle beside like he just like grabbed my oh. legs, but he wasn't being creepy. And I was just thinking about how like, you know, a, a carceral feminist like instinct instinctual reaction would be to be like i have been assaulted it's like degrees of harm anyway um when we have been put onto your podcatcher of choice please go to itunes.com and find us there and leave us a good review we're charting baby we're on the charts we are in top (laughs) 1000
1: yeah we have officially charted on itunes which is actually a bigger deal than it sounds like because every like literally everyone you know has a podcast ask your nephews um (laughs) but like yeah it's a it's a big deal good reviews and good ratings um will uh, help us bump up and if you leave us a review we will read it on air
2: yeah and we love them we love to see them
0: and we receive beautiful reviews such as this. Uh, Kalton says, wow, this pod slaps. Love it. So,
2: Thank you. That's amazing. We Th- don't
0: even know this person. That's actually <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, when Once you're done reviewing the show, you want to go to patreon.com forward slash Kino Lefter, where you can start donating at the $3 level and above to access Primo Lefter, our now weekly premium show uh, where we get into... Everything beyond uh, the popular movie of the week um we have now hit two hundred dollars a month on patreon so thank you so much for your continued support uh so that means uh we are gonna be as consistent as we can uh, with the bonus episodes uh and this gives us a little bit more flexibility to maybe get into streaming uh some other exciting areas of the show uh and our three hundred dollar a month goal is getting into merch so thinking about what kinds of merch options the fans can get so consider us consider supporting us there um,
1: and one very quick plug, which I should have put at the top of the show, but whatever, uh, please let us know if, um, if like Twitch or streaming or discord, if there's something you would like to do to build, uh, perhaps a more active community of leftist cinephiles is something you'd like. Uh, we're sitting on a bunch of stuff and we're just like, I guess, tentative about whether or not to execute on it. Also we're very busy it is election season, but I mean, for, uh, you know, later in October or perhaps the new year. Uh, Let us know what you would like to see as part of the Kino
0: family.
2: All right. We love you so much. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and we'll get at you next time. Bye. Bye. Love Love you. you.
0: Bye. Kino Lefter is part of a loose affiliation of left-wing podcasts hosted by the bilingual journalism collective Ricochet.
2: This network includes News You Can Use, Well Reds, Out of Left Field, Radio Free Winnipeg, 49th para health and more
1: support Canadian podcasting support Canadian media and support ricochet at ricochet.media great podcast check them out